The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment that the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that the deeds might not be exposed. But those who do what is true come to the light so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. I've got a question for you. What? Have you ever gone to the movies? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever gone to the movies in the middle of the day? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So when you walk out of the movies, after being in the movies in the middle of the day, is the sun really, really bright? No. Yeah, it is. Um. I've done this before, too. <laughs> I know. So, I'm going to do a little test. I want you all to close your eyes and cover them with your hands. I'm going to count to 20 out loud. I need you to keep your eyes covered and closed till I count to 20, okay? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, whoops, eighteen. 1920. What do you see? Bright. It's bright. It's dark. It's dark. It's a little bit dark. Anybody seeing spots? Yeah. Okay, you're holding your eyes too tight. <laughs> but but you see a lot of different things. Your eyes have to adjust again, don't they? They got to get used to being in the light again. Yeah. I saw a donkey. That's just like what happens with our lives. In today's text, we have a story from Jesus that says people who live in darkness, people who live in ways that they're not supposed to live, like people who aren't following rules, 
people who are behaving badly, people who are thinking selfishly, people acting up. These people live in darkness. And when they come into the light, when they open their eyes, they don't like it. When you open your eyes all of a sudden, it's a little bright, and you kind of squint a little bit. And you almost want to shut your eyes again, don't you? Yeah. For all of us, when we're told how to act, how to be like Jesus, it's difficult. And it is hard. And sometimes we just don't even want to try. But there's good news. That for you, and 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 you, before you even act and before you even try, God loves you. And if you, if you try and you're really, really good at acting like Jesus, God still loves you. Not any more, not any less, because God loved you with all God's heart in the beginning. And if you try and you're really, really bad at it, God loves you. Not any more and not any less. Because God loved you with God's whole heart from the beginning. And so, try your best. Try your absolute best to live like Jesus did. To behave the way that Jesus would behave. To do the things that Jesus would do. And know that no matter what, if you mess up constantly or every once in a while or just anywhere in between, that God will love you. This is hard, but it's okay for this to be hard. And this will be, you'll struggle a little bit, and it's okay to struggle. No matter what, Jesus loves you. Pop quiz. No matter what. What? Jesus loves you. No matter what. I don't, I'm not convinced. No matter what. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you too. Alright. Shall we pray? Let us pray. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for your love that we can't hear enough about. We give you thanks for forgiving us each and every time we struggle. And we give you thanks for being with us. Help us to be like you. And as we try... If we mess up, forgive us and help us to try again. Thank you for being a God that is always with us. In your name we pray. Amen. of Jesus. Amen. Three weeks ago, we found in our worship we have a practice that every time we hear scripture, we respond. And in that worship practice, we've decided, I've decided, but we together have journeyed, 
both in our preaching here and in our life together as a congregation, to encounter the Word made flesh, Christ among us, to encounter the Word and consider what our response is to that. Not for our own salvation, for as we just heard, God loves us, and whether we're great at it or bad at it, there's nothing we can do about it. God loves us till the end. We don't respond for our salvation. We respond out of a need to do something with this good and great news. And so the first week, we traveled with Noah and with Jesus alongside us in the Jordan of our own baptisms, and we realized that our journey begins with a covenant, a promise. And that in this covenant and in this promise, that God was gracious. That looking at the destruction of the earth, God said, I will never do that again. And in looking at us in our own wickedness, God said, I love you. In the same way that God did to God's son. This is my son, my beloved, and you are mine, my beloved. The second week, we dwelt with Abraham and Sarah in their name changes, and we also dwelt with Peter and Jesus as Peter dwelled on human things and not divine things and was called Satan by Jesus because of it. And this we realized that our whole lives long, our names come to mean so many things and they're attached to so many different things and we understand ourselves specific ways, but all of that, our jobs, our titles, who we are, all of that's secondary to who God calls us and what God calls us to be. Again, we are loved. Again, we are chosen. And again, no matter what, we are God's. The third week, last week, we began figuring out what this love of God for us, what this identity of God for us means as we go out into the world. And we looked at the Ten Commandments and did all the silly signs. And we also looked at Jesus tossing the temple because of the evil that Jesus saw. And in the midst of that we realized that dwelling in these Ten Commandments, dwelling in a life of the kingdom, is not easy, and in fact, it doesn't look picture book perfect. We find ourselves in so many temples every day. We find ourselves in the mess of this world, not the idyllic sense of this world. And in that, we rely on the love of God to let us attempt to act how Jesus would act, to let us attempt to be what Jesus would have us be, and in our inevitable failures, we rely on the grace and forgiveness of God and we're sent back out again. We try and we try and we try. Because the world's a mess and a life in the covenant of God is not easy. But we try. This week, we have some really weird texts. And it starts with a bronze serpent of everything. The Israelites are out in the desert in numbers and they're complaining like they always do that they don't have the food or the water or anything else that they're used to. They're looking back at, at Egypt and saying, why did we ever leave? Now, remember, they were slaves in Egypt and remember they were not treated very well and remember they didn't have the things that they needed in Egypt either. But they look back to something that they were used to, and they look at where they are now, 
And though they're free, the only things that they can see is that they don't have a bed and they don't have food and they don't have water and they don't have what they want. And so there's snakes sent to the camp by God and they bite people and they die. And they lift up their voices. Hey, this isn't good. Moses, talk to God for us. Let's, let's renegotiate this dear deal. We don't want the snakes anymore. And so God has... Someone craft a bronze serpent, put it on a pole, lift it high, and then if you get bit by the snake, you look at the bronze serpent and you live. Now, I guess that's one way of doing it. But my central question is, why not just take the snakes away? I mean, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's a simpler way than like erecting a bronze serpent and everybody's got to look at it, right? God sent the snakes. God can take the snakes away. But God doesn't do this. We have this convoluted mess of a serpent and a pole and then carrying around the serpent. And what do you do if you're too far from the serpent? I don't know. What do you do if you're inside and you get bit by a snake? Do you run outside so you can stare at the pole? I don't know. This seems messed up. Now after that weird text, we have Jesus claiming in one of the most famous passages that we have, Jesus claiming the same thing. Both that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that all who believe in him might not perish but may have eternal life. Also recognizing that the son of man must be lifted up just like that bronze serpent on the cross. That all who believe in him already have this eternal life and those who do, do not believe in him are already condemned. And then the judgment. People who have walked in darkness have seen this light and they love the darkness. To be able to change your life, to be able to hear sermons like this, to be able to come to church like this, to be able to look at the Ten Commandments and to have this edict that we're all going to change our lives, we're all going to be more like Christ, to be able to do any of that for an extended period of time, let alone a solid afternoon, is difficult. And it's nearly impossible to live a life, an entire life, as Christ would live. There's an honesty to these two texts that we need today. Because God knew that the people would not stop complaining, and Christ knew that the people would not stop loving the darkness. And we know, if we're honest with ourselves, that we will change a few things in our life, but will we change it all? By the grace of our by the grace of God, maybe some of us. I think there's a reason for the bronze serpent. I think in the midst of knowing that we might not change, the bronze serpent was erected because the snakes weren't going to go away. And the issues in our life aren't going to go away either. The things that keep us from changing, the things that make us seem like we're never going to change 
all the issues of the world and the mess of the world, none of it's going away. The death is going to still be there. The hurt is still going to be there. The hungry is still going to be there. The poor is still going to be there. It's not going away. The snakes aren't going away. And so, God in the foolishness of God lifts up a snake of all things, the pain of our world and the hunger of our world and the thirst of our world and the mess of our world is put up on a pole and we're to look at that so that we can live and that makes no sense with the one exception of every time the Israelites looked at it, God was with them in that pain and they lived. And the same is true for us in the cross. Of all the foolish things in the world to look at, we look to the cross. And we know that the pain that Jesus endured is not going away, and the wrong that Jesus endured is not going away, and the death that Jesus endured is not going away. And we look at the sign of this pain that is far too familiar in our lives, and we live. We look directly at the snakes. And we look directly at the pain. Because God is there. We encounter the living and dying word and we respond. So, in the honesty of what we are, and the honesty of our love of darkness, what's our response? Look. Look and see the word on the cross. Look and see the word in the snakes. Look and see the word made flesh dwelling among you, not in the idyllic world that we paint for ourselves, but in the actual world that's a mess. Look and see and live. Christ has given this eternal life to you. What's our response? God be with you when the cross seems too large. God be with you when the snakes seem too many. And God be with you in this moment of your journey. That you might know that life fully and wholly and deeply. Hear the word and respond. Amen.